Hey, it's Jesse, and welcome to this edition of the podcast. We've got something special for you today, uh, but first I have a question. You ever found yourself really looking forward to the future because that's where things are going to get better? Uh, or maybe you found yourself kind of worried about the future. You know, you, there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know what's around the corner. Well, I've seen this trap happen for lots of people, myself included, where we start to think that the future is going to be a lot different than the present. But here's what I've observed. The future is just another now, and it's not going to be very much different than what's happening today. The reality is, if you want to have a better future, you have to master your present to become more powerful now, to be able to have more clarity now, to develop more confidence now, to be able to solve whatever puzzle you're facing right now, not waiting for some far off date that's magically going to be different. And every person that I've observed who's experienced some powerful transformation, whether it's changing their relationships or becoming more vital and more healthy and having more physical energy or just feeling better about themselves, or maybe, you know, changing their wealth frequency and having more money flowing into their life. Every person that I've observed who's successfully done this has mastered their present. This is not always easy because we live in a world that seduces us into thinking that someday things are going to be better. And so what we've put together for you in this very special edition is a live presentation of a talk that I had the honor to share at a uh, presentation for entrepreneurs in Bucharest in Romania. And this was a room full of people who are doers and who are hungry and they really are willing to do what it takes to advance their business, advance their lives. But they were um, a little bit shocked when they heard how simple this message is. So we decided to make this talk available for you today. And during this talk, I'm, I really want to challenge you to listen for a couple of specific things, including how you can actually use very simple mindset techniques to master your present. And you're going to experience some very nice side effects of this. You may find yourself becoming more calm, you know, stressing out a lot less, becoming happier, becoming more focused. And all of this is already inside of you. So listen carefully during this talk for the tools that can help get you there, including some of the uh, stories for how I found these out myself. You know, it wasn't like I just sat down with a pen and paper and decided to write this stuff out. This is the result of observation after some not so nice experiences. And in this, uh, in this talk, you're going to actually hear the full story of how, uh, the worst beating of my life in a no holds barred fight club actually became the foundation for the most powerful transformation that I've experienced. Uh, there's a lot of other things in here as well, but I'm really excited to share this with you. So buckle up, sit back, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. I look forward to hearing what it does for you. Thank you. Need nothing, appreciate everything, have it all. Welcome to the podcast that helps you architect your most self-authorized, productive, and fulfilled life. Join action philosopher Jesse Elder on a journey to greater joy, freedom, and wealth of every kind as he shares insights gained from the leading edge of liberated living. The hardest part is accepting just how easy success can be. And now, Jesse. It is an honor to have here tonight as the first speaker of the Amazonieni Summit 2017, Jesse 
elder. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I know Alex said uh, you're welcoming me tonight, and I think that's Texas time is tonight in Texas. So you're either going to get the evening version of this talk or the bright Romanian morning version of this talk. Either way, I think it's going to be good uh, because uh, what's going to happen over the next however long we have here, uh, whatever time we get to share this morning, uh, if anything great's going to happen, it's because of you. It's because of your intention. It's because of your energy. It's because of why you decided to be here and to drag your ass out of bed so early on a Saturday. You have a reason for being here that's unique to you. And so I don't have some perfectly scripted material that is going to be delivered to you. And here's your curriculum and here's your 67 steps to like that. But what I do know is this, that uh, what all of you, what each of you has in common is that you believe your future is bigger and brighter and bolder. You believe your future It's the beard. It's the beard. Let's swap for a handheld. I'll swap. Uh, we're safe. It's the beard. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, so you, you are here because you have this belief that your future is better than your present. How many of you would agree with that? That you think a future is going to be way better than the present is? Some much more, okay. Your future is going to be louder, apparently. And if your future is going to be louder and better than your present, um, I would say that, that that's not a, a flawed belief. I think that that actually has a lot of merit. That belief has a lot of energy. It has a lot of juice. When you think tomorrow is going to be so much bigger and brighter and better than today, and that has a way of getting you up in the morning and firing you up and making you face your fears and take new actions and all of that. Um, I've had the, the, uh, the experience... Uh, personally, in my own life, I've had the experience of working with some very, uh, I would say, successful people. And there's this, this thread that, that every single person that I've worked with has in common. People who have scaled tremendously not only their business, but their personal life, their spirituality. That these are people, and I think Alex is, is an example, who are living a very powerful life. Mm-hmm living a life not only of financial abundance and financial success, but living a life of ease and living a life of flow. And that doesn't mean that you just sit around all day and just like, ooh, life is so beautiful. It means that, no, life is fucking awesome. And what that means is that your imagination about what to do and then the actions that that takes and the results you start to experience, it just starts happening faster and faster and faster and faster. And so in my observation of these achievers, 
I see a common thread with, with every single one of them, and that is that they don't expect that the future is going to be so much more powerful and so much better than their present. What these people recognize is that your future is going to be pretty close to what your present is like. And so if you want to have a much better future, if you want to have a future that has more abundance in every way, financial abundance, time abundance, geographic freedom, relationship, intimacy, and connection that allows you to, to lean into the most powerful, sexy, badass version of yourself, if that's the life that you want to have, it's your ability to experience those things now that actually sets you up to have even more of that later. And so the bottom line is, if you want to have a future that's magnificent, then the fastest way to do it is to master the present. And today we're going to share with you some ideas and some steps that can help you to do that. And it took me a while to internalize this, uh, this idea. It took me a while to internalize this, this concept that the future is only going to be a reflection of my present. And when I was in my early 20s, I was a future chaser. Man, I was chasing the future because I knew the future had to be better than what I was experiencing. I was making five fifty an hour as a bouncer, and I was teaching karate during the day, and I was taking the bus everywhere, and... It was not how I wanted my life to be because I had friends that were making more money and I had friends that were competing and doing very well in the ring and I had friends that had beautiful girlfriends and I was single and lonely and didn't have any money and what I did have was this insane attachment to my future. The future is going to be better, it's going to be better, it's going to be better. And one of the things that got me to understand this connection between my present and my future, what, what drove it into my being so that I never forgot it again, was uh, one very interesting evolutionary experience. By the way, that's what you call the bullshit uh, that happens in your life. That's what you call it later. You call it an interesting evolutionary experience. When it's happening, you think it's the worst fucking thing to happen in your entire life. But later you say it's an interesting evolutionary experience. Anybody ever have any interesting evolutionary experiences? Good. You're in the right room. <laughs> so the, the thing that happened for me is I'm, I'm working as a, at night as a bouncer. I'm teaching martial arts during the day. I think I was, I was making about $800 a month total. And... And the club that I was working at, this uh, nightclub, they started having these uh, fight nights. And they started running these uh, very illegal underground fight nights. And what they would do is they would basically have all the drink specials on one sign. And then next to that, they would have a place where people could sign up to fight. And usually people went to the clipboard in that order. They would go to the drink specials and they would get all liquored up. And all of a sudden, remember, they were incredible fighters. And then they put their name on the thing. And I heard about this, this thing. I heard about this, this uh, tournament or these things, that, this fight nights that were coming. 
And I was very conflicted about it because I thought, okay, I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid. I've been teaching. I, I am telling people and showing them how to protect themselves. But I actually don't know if any of this stuff works. And I was conflicted by that. And I thought, man, all right, either I have to step into the ring and prove um, to myself and prove that this really works, or I have to stop teaching and I have to, to do something else. And so I thought, okay, let me just sign up to fight. So I put my name on the, on the clipboard, and I had about three weeks to prepare for the, for the match. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a lot of emotion. It was a lot of energy, uh, mostly fear, because I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew how to score points, and I knew how to step into the, a ring with a, a nice referee and all these safety equipment, and I knew how to win trophies, but I'd never been in a fight. And I'd never experienced what it's like to step in the ring with no safety equipment and no time limits and no rules. And it doesn't matter if the guy is smaller than you or bigger than you. They basically just say, go ahead. And whoever is the person standing at the end, that's the winner. And I was very confronted by that because I just didn't know. It was just a lot of uncertainty. And... So I'm training for these, these fights, and I'm preparing for this night. And that first night uh, taught me a lot, and it showed me the connection between what you think and what you feel and what you do and how that training shows up when you actually get to the event. And I went to that first night, and uh, I won. I won my first fight. And it was actually easier than training. The training was, was very difficult, and so that first match was actually easier than that, uh, than the training was. And then I won the second match that night, and next thing you know, the referee's raising my hand, and I walked out the winner. And I became addicted, but not to the, not to the violence of it. I became addicted to the connection between what I was thinking and feeling and saying to myself and how my training was going, and then I could see the connection between the training and the actual performance. And I thought, man, I have to, I have to do this again. I have, to, I have to see how much training can I do so that I can show up and, and let's see what happens. And so I kept doing that. And almost every week that summer, I would fight. And then for a week, I would train and tweak my training. And I realized that there was a lot of people who would do their martial art that they trained their whole, year, their whole life for. And they had all of these perfect techniques that worked wonderfully in the classroom. And the moment they step into the ring to actually apply it, they get flattened. And maybe you've observed that happening in the real world. There's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of ideas, and there's a lot of good information that was really good three years ago, but the world's changed a little bit. And there's a lot of people in the world, especially in the marketing community, the sales community, the entrepreneurial community, many people who have a lot of theories that sound really good, but they're much better at marketing than they are on delivery. They're much better at convincing us that we need to buy their shit so that we can achieve this result, but their theories fall apart when they're entering the real world. And I saw this happening over and over in the ring. I saw these guys who were great martial artists, but terrible fighters. And so I became addicted 
to what are the theories that actually work? What are the things that actually produce a measurable result and produce a win in the ring? So I kept tweaking and testing and split testing and what works better? Does this diet or this diet? Does this meditation or this meditation? This training or this training? And I kept tweaking and just twisting around my own training. And over the season, I developed a pretty optimized regimen. And I kept winning one fight after another, after another, after another. And so my confidence is very high because when you keep producing evidence that your stuff works, well, your confidence goes up too. And this is a giant mistake that people are making in the entrepreneurial world. They think, okay, I'm going to get confidence and certainty and I'm going to pump myself up and do my power move and I'm going to walk on some fire and then my life's going to be perfect. Your life's going to be your life. So instead of trying to pump yourself up and then go and get a result, how about just start counting the magic that's already occurred in your life? I mean, any one of us can look backwards 30 days and start racking up the wins and the things you've actually achieved, and all of a sudden you have this sense of confidence that's real because it's based on what you've already accumulated. Now, quick check-in. How many of you are perfectionists or you have that perfection gene in you anywhere? Okay. Seven of you. Cool. Okay, to the other uh, 593, just chill out. You probably don't need what I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So I kept tweaking and testing, tweaking and testing, tweaking and testing. And every time, if it didn't produce a result, I eliminated that training, that mindset method, that meditation, whatever. And all these roads led to the last night. And it it was the end of the season. And I remember stepping uh, into the club that night. And the smell of this place is like, imagine beer and sweat and like icy hot and tiger balm and uh, adrenaline. It was a very, very weird environment. And I walked into the club that night and there was probably around this many people. The club held around 400 people, but it was overflowing and everybody had come to see this last matchup. It was me against this other guy. And I knew what to expect. I'd trained with guys bigger than him. I'd trained with people tougher than him. But I'd also watched him dismantle every opponent that he went through. And he would just walk in and just wait and wait and wait. And then, and he would just watch them fall to the ground. This guy was tough. But I trained for it. I wasn't worried. My confidence is high. So we walk into the ring. and, And it's on. And by this time, they're doing three five-minute rounds. And so I'm feeling pretty good because my training was on point. My training partners were the best. I felt confident. I knew I was going to win. I'd visualized it. I'd seen it. I imagined it. It was already done. I'm just here to pick up the trophy uh, and the prize money. Let's, let's not forget the prize money. $250. Do the math. That's over a, a third of my monthly income. So I was very happy to, to go to work for that 250 that night. So we're circling, and we're waiting, and I'm feeling out. I'm, I know what's going to happen. I know this guy's game. He's looking for my chin, and he can't wait to load up, and he's going to finish me. So I'm waiting, waiting. And I know my plan, because I train jujitsu with Hoyce Gracie and all of these other guys. And when you know more jujitsu than anybody else, it's like in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You just have to know a little bit more than everybody else. You don't have to be the best one. You just have to be better than the next one. So I'm circling, waiting, 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 ready. And all of a sudden, I know it's time. So here we go. 
not exactly, but you get the idea. And all of a sudden, I see this guy's body shifts, and I see him go. And I see his weight shift like that, and he's loading his back leg. And that's a tell, that's a, that's a giveaway. So he's loading his back leg. And I see his hand just like. And I'm over here going, here it comes, here it comes, just a little longer. And all of a sudden it's time, and man, time just disappears, it slows down to like bullet time, like matrix, and you can just see everything super slow. So here's this guy, his back leg is loaded, his hand, and all of a sudden it's on. And in slow motion, I see this guy's punch launching, and he's like. And I'm over here going, hallelujah. Because that's the plan. You load the guy's punch, he overcommits because the opportunity's too good to pass up. He overcommits, he gets sloppy, and I'm ready for that. I curated his sloppiness single-handedly. Here comes the punch, and it's just like training. This guy launches this sloppy, hard overhand right, and just like training. And next thing I know, I'm in, and I'm under the storm. I'm past the punches, inside the zone, and I clinch this guy, and I get in tight. And when you're doing that, the guy doesn't have the leverage. It's hard for him to hit you anymore. So I'm holding this guy and thinking, yes, past the first milestone, because that's the most dangerous part. So I thought. Interesting evolutionary experience alert coming up. So I'm in there and I'm clinching this guy and I'm thinking this is just like training. So I'm holding him and I'm just waiting for the right moment. I'm going to sweep him. I'm going to take him down. And once he's on the ground, I know training is going to kick in. The Brazilians that I trained with, they had this awesome saying. They said, when we get into the fight, we will go to the clinch. Once we're in the clinch, we will go to the ground. You are in my world then. Because the ground is the ocean, and I am the shark, and you don't even know how to swim. And this was the mindset that these guys trained with. The game was too different on the ground. And this guy's a stand-up fighter, not prepared for this new environment. So I'm in the clinch, just waiting, waiting. Waiting. He's throwing punches, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm in the pocket. I feel good. And I'm just waiting for the chance to take him down. No. 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 Okay, it's coming. It's coming. But then I feel my grip, like, getting separated. And the little part of my brain is going, um, that's not supposed to happen. Because in training, I trained with guys, this guy's about 40 pounds heavier than me, but I trained with guys that were 60, one partner 80 pounds heavier than me. And all we did was train with, I'm holding in the clinch and they're trying to release my grip. And I could hold these guys and I'm thinking, how come? And I'm watching my hands get separated. And then, uh, and then I realize, because along with the smell of adrenaline and sweat, I smelled something else as I'm pressed against this guy's torso, and I smell Vaseline. And his corner had been watching me fight all season, and they knew what I was going to do. So they coated this guy's entire body in grease. And you don't have time to go, 
that's not fair. <laughs> and technically, in a no rules fight, it's very difficult to break the rules. <laughs> so you just deal with what you got. And now I'm realizing, okay, this changes the game. And as I realized it, my grip broke. And he pushed me away. That's what I thought. And uh, luckily, I'd been hit very hard by my training partners, too, so it wasn't the first time that I'd experienced that. Um, but the lights went out for a second, just for a second, in their back. I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. And I spent the rest of, the, of that first round, five minutes, circling, waiting, avoiding those punches. And I shot in successfully three times. And every time, I got pushed away. Finally, there's about a minute left in the fight, and I shoot in again. I grab him, manage to take him down. And I end up applying a choke, and I'm putting everything I have into this choke. I'm ready to tap this guy out. I'm ready to win because I do not want to repeat this experience. And I've got him in a, a triangle choke for any aficionados here. And I'm putting everything I can into this choke. And I see his hand starting to raise to tap. And I'm just thinking, oh, almost, come on, come on. You can do it. <laughs> you know you want to tap. You can do it. I believe in you. And right as he's going to tap, the whistle blows. So I stand up, I go back to my corner, I sit down. And that minute went by very quickly. I'm gassed, I don't have very much in it. I put so much into that first round. So I get up again, and then we repeated during the second round, the same thing. Shooting in, holding, getting pushed away, bam, taking a shot. Shoot in, hold, get pushed away, take a shot. At one moment, I'm holding him, and he's lighting up my, my body. Just bam, bam, bam. And at the end of the second round, nothing had changed, except I kept absorbing a lot of shots. In the third round, uh, I hardly had anything left. I was just going on just uh, will, and I'm just, I can't quit. It's not in my training to quit, you don't do that, you don't quit. And so at one moment I remember holding him there and trying to just hang on and not get knocked out. And I, and I out of the corner of my eye, I see the, the crowd and I see all these, these people. And I started to pick out faces of people that, that I knew. And I saw um, my family that had come to watch me fight. And I just saw the, I remember the look on my brother's face, it was just like, Stone-faced, you know. And my parents are there, and my it was it was uh, it was a very surreal experience. I managed to not get knocked out. The fight was over. They raise his hand, and I go and I sit back down. And as I'm sitting down, my corner man comes up and he says, "Are you okay?" I say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good, except um, I can't." can't see you. I can hear you, but I, I can't see you. There's this blackness that's going in and out. And I can't breathe too good. It feels like, like there's a truck parked on my chest. And I'm breathing little, little sips of oxygen. He said, all right, we're taking you to the hospital. So we go, we go to the hospital. And I'm in the, the 
emergency room. I go and get x-rays. I'm back in the, in the bed. And I can see through the, the doors that are swinging. And there's a lot of people that have come to the hospital, my family, my friends, a lot of my students. And I'm looking at the looks on their faces. And it was like every emotion you could imagine. There's love and concern. And then there was, there was anger at this thing that had happened. And then there's helplessness. They wanted to help, but there's nothing they could do. And I'm looking out and I'm realizing that all of these people had such a different experience to the same event. They're having such a different response to the same event. And that, that stuck with me. And I realized that, you know, I wish I could tell them that, hey, I signed up for this. I knew that this was a possibility. I don't know what the results are going to be yet. But I knew that this was a possibility. I signed up. And in that moment, I got this lesson that other people's experience is not up to me. And it's not my responsibility to take ownership of someone else's response. And as, if we're going to live these lives aggressively and assertively, and if we're going to live lives where we can accumulate as many different experiences as possible, there are going to be times where you experience something that other people have a response to a negative response, a critical response, a concerned response. And their response is none of your business. You're not here for them. You're here for you. You're on this planet for you. You're living this life for you. Can you do so with compassion and empathy and love? Absolutely. But to suppress your own choices out of concern for what other people are going to experience. Maybe something worth thinking about. And I'm watching my family and my friends and my students all having this wide array of experiences. And then the doctor came in. And the doctor came in and sat down next to me and he said, Jesse, you're lucky that that wasn't a seven-round fight or even a five-round fight. And he showed me the x-rays and he said, the reason why your uh, vision was being affected, you have a concussion. And the reason why your breathing is affected is because your left lung is collapsed. He said, I advise you not to ever fight again. I also don't think you're going to listen to me, so there you go. I'll be back in a few minutes. And he gets up and he walks out. And have you ever had a moment where you are confronted with the, the seriousness of a situation? Something that makes all your other issues and all your other problems go away. And that's, that's where I felt in that, in that hospital bed. And I'm realizing that not only did I not win the $250, but now I have who knows how many thousands of dollars in medical expenses and no insurance. My students watched me get my ass beat, so they're probably all going to quit. That was in my mind. My friends all watched me get hurt. And where my mindset was back then is my identity and my success was so connected to my achievements that I thought if I don't get the achievement... I'm not going to receive the connection 
and the love and the camaraderie that I value so much. So in my mind back then, losing the fight meant losing my friends, meant losing my students. And so I did this little check-in with myself and I started asking myself, okay, how am I doing here? And then the strangest things started happening. As I asked that question, how am I doing? The answer that I get back immediately was, I'm fine. And I remember thinking to myself, time out. You just got physically destroyed in front of your students and family and friends. You not only didn't win the prize money, but now you have all of these medical bills. How can all of these things have happened and you can still be fine? And then these ideas and and answers start flowing in one after the other. And I had this insight, this download, this idea that I'm fine. Well, who's the I that got destroyed and who's the I that's fine? And it was like one door after another started to open in my mind and in in my body. And I started to get it. I realized that, no, I have a body, but I'm not my body. Okay, well, what am I? Well, I have a body, but I'm not my body. And what I am must be this energy that somehow animates this body for a period of a few decades. And then what ends up happening after that, who knows? That energy withdraws, just like electricity leaving a light bulb. The bulb is still the same. It's just no longer illuminated. And maybe that's what happens when we die. Maybe that energy that animates this collection of cells for a few decades is actually coming from someplace, popping in for a little while to animate this body for the purpose of experience, and then at some period withdraws and goes somewhere else. And that night, I got it. I realized that, holy shit, all this stuff that I've been afraid of, all of this needing approval and being afraid of disapproval and what are people going to think and... I realize that actually nobody really cares about that stuff. What they care about is themselves. They care about their own life experience. And truly that night, so much of my irrational fear just went away. It just didn't matter anymore. But it wasn't like life didn't matter. Life mattered even more. It's just the little petty stuff stopped mattering. And that was a a pivot in this journey. And this experience of shedding these irrational fears has actually since become sort of a a lifetime project. And I began to observe this in my students. I began to see where my students were worried about what people think or worried that they're not going to pass the test or worried about all these things. And I thought, no, you don't have to worry. Everything's fine. Because whoever you show up as tomorrow is really just a reflection of today. So how about today, let's just focus on being the most badass, free, version of yourself that you can be. And why not, instead of waiting for the achievement to make you feel the way that you want to feel, why not actually just start feeling that way for no other reason than that you can? And little by little, what started to happen is I began to see my students starting to accept themselves at a different level, and they began to perform differently. They began to train harder, but there was no longer this need in the training. It was more like, I'm training because I can. 
I'm training because it feels good to move and it feels good to express myself, not because I'm trying to get someplace that I'm not. And as I began to see this effect of this philosophy on myself and my students, I became obsessed and I became obsessed with seeing what happens if people actually operate their lives free from the need for approval and free from the fear of disapproval because so much of that is just coming from other people, but it's a projection in our own minds. People don't wake up in the morning going, okay, who can I watch today and who can I disapprove of? They're too busy with their own shit. And as I began to work with entrepreneurs and I, uh, I eventually built a, a martial arts school and built another one and another one and we kept building schools and I had eight schools and then a consulting company and we're sharing all these marketing and sales and mindset and all this stuff. And then one day I realized, no, that's, that's over. I've done, check the box. So I sold my schools and I focused exclusively on working with people. And what started to happen is Every single person that seemed stuck or they seemed that they weren't growing as fast as they wanted to is all because of the same reasons. It was all because they thought the future was responsible for making them the way that they wanted to be. And so every time they would take a step forward, well, their future would move forward too because that's what they were practicing. They were practicing making the future so good that when they arrived to the future, it wasn't the future anymore, it was the present. And they weren't used to, they weren't practiced at savoring and enjoying and appreciating the present because the future is where it was at, yo. So they would move to the next future, except, ah, it's not tomorrow anymore. It's today. And I'm not very good at loving today, but I'm sure as hell good at loving tomorrow. So I can't wait to wake up tomorrow. But then they would wake up tomorrow and it would be today. And they kept chasing tomorrow. And I had clients that had been chasing tomorrow for a decade or more. And they'd made money and they'd achieved freedom and they'd been traveling and all of this stuff. But when you get them drunk and they get like six tequila honest. And all of a sudden, everything started coming out. Yeah, man, my business is, is yeah, business is fine. And I'm going, what time out there? That was the reason why you hired me. And six months ago, your business was not fine. And now your business is here. And, and you're slurring your words and you're, you're drunk. Uh, we're both feeling it, by the way. But what I'm hearing you say is that you don't like your life. And it was a major realization. I thought, holy shit. Everybody's still chasing their future. And it was kind of a mind-blowing thing for me because I thought, how can anybody who's gone from making ten or 15000 a month to doing $2.5 million a month and doing that in an 18-month period, for example, how can somebody who's done that still hate their life? And I realized how many entrepreneurs use money as a distraction. And if we can only make enough money then we'll feel the way we want to feel. Then we'll feel the love that we want to feel, the acceptance, the significance, the connection, the respect for ourselves, the respect from other people. And this is, this is what I began to observe. I began to observe that the most energy was put not into going to make money and to build the business and to make sales. The most energy was actually put 
into people suppressing their actual gifts, suppressing their actual energy, suppressing their talents, really suppressing their desires. Everybody had something that they really wanted, but they were settling for a scalable business. What they really wanted was to be a musician. What they really wanted was to speak. What they really wanted was to write a book. What they really wanted was to just chill out and take a nap until noon, like most of the time. But they were settling for building their business. They were settling for this scalable thing that they learned is going to be the answer to all their prayers. And I started to see how much energy people were putting into suppressing their actual desires. And I began to observe that people were putting equal energy not only into hiding who they actually were and who they knew they were born to be, but they were hiding, disguising it in the future, someday I'll do that thing. And as a result, their present was suffering tremendously. And an interesting thing happens in the human spirit, in human psychology, when, when you're when your energy is going into hiding things and suppressing things, when your energy is going into holding back on who and what you actually are and your energy is going into keeping that hidden, then all the energy that's going into suppression and to hiding, that energy also starts going into starting to prove. And you have to prove to the world. You have to prove to your marketplace. You have to prove to your peers. You have to prove to your family. You have to prove to your friends. You have to prove to yourself. And all of this energy that comes out in proving, and maybe you've observed some of this in the entrepreneurial world. Maybe you've observed this in some of the marketing that you see, which is so designed to prove to you that this is the program you need, this is the product you need, this is the course that you must take that will solve all of your problems. And I'm all for good marketing. It's just that most marketing is really a a reflection of people's core beliefs, what they actually believe about themselves. So you can see somebody's marketing, does this person love themselves or not? And so the person who's putting a lot of energy into proving, 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 You get these people drunk and you see that they actually loathe themselves. They actually hate themselves. They actually don't like the way that they're showing up in the world. So they're disguising it behind marketing campaigns because society says, you make enough money, you're good. And I began to observe that all of this energy of hiding and all this energy of proving was actually preventing people from living fully self-authored lives a life where you have nothing to hide and you have nothing to prove. And I began to experiment with this the same way that I would experiment when I was fighting. Let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And I began to have this approach with clients and with myself. What am I hiding? What is the thing that I don't want people to know about me? And what is the thing that I really want them to know? So let me tell them over and over. And the weirdest things started to happen as, as I and then my clients, as we began to hide less and as we began to prove less and as we just began to wake up every day instead of thinking, what do I have to do today? We began waking up thinking, 
What am I going to enjoy today? Who am I going to love today? And instead of crafting the perfect marketing campaign and writing the perfect copy, why don't I just get my phone out and send a video to somebody who's actually on my mind, but instead of keeping them in my mind, why don't I put it on the fucking video? And so my clients started making videos and they started sending them to people. And they started saying, hey, John, it's me. I just wanted to tell you that you crossed my mind and instead of thinking about you and not doing anything, I thought I'd just send a video. So here's a video saying that I just appreciate you, man. I appreciate you being in my life. I appreciate you letting me be in yours. And I know how busy you are. I don't, I don't expect a response. Please don't respond. Just know that, that I'm, I'm thinking about you, man. I appreciate you. Bye. And they send that video. And the thing is, when you do one video like that, it becomes kind of addictive. So then you send another one, and then you send another one. And next thing you know, you've spent an hour and a half sending videos to people. And then you start getting responses back, and you get people saying, wow, I've never gotten a video like that before. And man, I, I feel the exact same way. And I've just, you know, for whatever reason, I never shared it, I never said that. And you seem like you're really happy, man. You seem like you're really doing good. Hey, let's get together sometime. I have a project I think you might be interested in. And I started seeing clients doing record deals, but that's, it's because they didn't send the video to make a deal. They sent the video because it was a natural extension of what they were already feeling. They didn't do the action to change their feeling. The action came as a natural result of what they were feeling. Does that make sense? So instead of pumping yourself up to take the action to then get the result, how about just focus on, on the, the, the result you've already gotten, focus on where you're already at, and why not send something out there? And, and I realize that the reason why many people don't do this, it goes back to this nothing to hide, nothing to prove uh, idea. And, and I travel a lot, and I, I see a, an awful lot of people and I observe that maybe, maybe one out of 20 has actually accepted themselves as being enough, has actually accepted themselves. Like, you know what? I just, I love myself. And I, I like who I am. And I'm not trying to hide that. And I'm not trying to prove how good I am. I'm just going to be me. But I observe that that one out of 20, and it's a simple choice, but that one out of 20, those people invariably make more money, they have more freedom, they have more friends, they have deeper connections with this nothing to hide, nothing to prove philosophy or this nothing to hide, nothing to prove approach. And so in your life, which actually only exists right now, there is no tomorrow, there is no future. When you get to the future, it's not going to be called the future, it's going to be called the present the today that you're experiencing right now is actually yesterday's tomorrow. And so your experience right now, the amount of self-acceptance that you'll allow yourself to experience, the amount of self-appreciation that you'll allow yourself to experience, even the amount of self-love that you'll allow yourself to experience that is actually the source of all of this other wealth and power and influence that you'll be able to go out into the world and wield. And 
when people begin to lean into this idea that I don't have anything to hide and I don't have anything to prove, all the energy that went into those things gets freed up and you start, you start relaxing and you start cruising through your day instead of racing from one action to the next. Your body starts to reflect that and your cells love that shit. Your cells love that energy when you just release it and you stop hiding and you stop proving and people start to say, man, you look different. What's going on? And you could say, you know, I've just decided to uh, begin this practice of radical self-acceptance. Are you going to say, you know what? Things are good, man. How, how are you? Because then you can give them the gift of your actual presence. And that's a priceless gift because it's so rare. And yes, as you begin to hide less and you start to talk more openly about what you want and what you value and what you're committed to and how much you love your friends and your family, how much you love your lover or lovers, how much you love yourself and how much you start going through the world with this nothing to hide, nothing to prove, you're going to hear comments from people and they'll start to say, usually among themselves before they bring it to you, hey, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty full of himself. And then you'll show up and they go, hey, 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 how's it going? And then you'll walk away and they go, who does he think he is? It's being all richer, being all better, all sexier. And then you'll show up and they go, hey, how's it going? And then eventually somebody's going to take it upon themselves to bring it to your attention that, you know, we've noticed, um, Alex, that you, um, you seem to be posting on Facebook an awful lot uh, about yourself. <laughs> it's kind of all about you lately. And uh, yes, you're changing the world. <laughs> yes, you're stimulating the economy way more than anybody else I know. But it just seems to me that... Um, that you're a little full of yourself. To which you can smile and you can look at them and you can say, you're right. I am full of myself. Who the fuck else should I be full of? And they're going to go, excuse me? <laughs> I don't think you heard me. Guys, back me up here. <laughs> You're a little full of yourself. And you can say, uh, this is true. Um, You're incredibly perceptive. And... Uh, What's your fucking point? But we, it's like you're trying to be better than everybody. No, brother. 
I ain't trying to be better than anybody. I'm just being me. And I just decided to stop hiding the fact that I'm actually a fucking conduit of universal light and love. And I decided to stop hiding that shit. And I decided to start illuminating every room that I walk into because it's painful for me to pretend that I'm anything less than I actually am. And I've decided that I like the way I feel when I'm following my own desires. I like the way I feel when I found my own frequency and I follow that frequency. I've decided that I just like the way it feels to feel good for no reason other than that I can. And I decided to stop holding the rest of the world emotionally hostage. That if they behave a certain way, then I'll feel the way I want to feel. I decided that wasn't fair to the world to allow the world to behave the way I think it needed to behave so that I can then feel the way I wanted to feel. I decided that that is fucked up and I'm no longer doing that. So what I decided is, I'm going to be the best version of myself that I know how to be. And that is a moving target, my friend. So what I've decided to do is to constantly refresh the browser on my own personal preferences so that I can find out not what's right and wrong universally. What's right for me right now, mother trucker? And there's nobody outside of me that can determine that. And I love you, man. I love who you are in the world, and I love the fact that your observation of me has stimulated this leading-edge conversation, because I don't think I've ever shared it in exactly this way before. So thank you. Guys, it's... <laughs> Guys, um, time out. Huddle. Okay, he's, he's not getting it. He's not understanding that, that you, you, don't, you don't poke your head up like that. I mean, you've got you to gotta fit in. Like, I mean, what happened to, like, caring about everybody, you know? And how is it fair? Why should he make all the money when there's so many people in the world that aren't, <clears throat> myself included? Why, why should he get to travel around the world? Have you seen the size of his carbon footprint? I mean, what? This isn't fair. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appeal to his universal love of mankind. We're going to prove to him. Okay, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but here's the deal. You say that you love yourself and appreciate yourself and that you just want to make your life better. Okay, cool. Um, don't you know? Haven't you seen on the news? That there are children starving on the other side of the planet? Haven't you seen that? How do you feel about your success now, Mr. Success? You know, I, I don't deny the fact that there are people on this planet right now who, um, who don't have enough to eat. Um, my question for you is, um, can you name three of them? Because if you, if you can, 
name three of them, and that is your primary concern, then it seems to me that perhaps your time might be better spent getting your ass on a plane and taking some food with you than telling me how I should live my life. And if you can't name them, then perhaps you're using some abstract, ambiguous condition, which actually is historically getting better and better by the fucking week. Perhaps you're using that abstraction, that ambiguity, as a way to project onto me the fact that my success is actually reminding you of the potential that you've yet to tap into. And I don't know whether that's the case or not, but I do know what it's like to see someone else living their life on their terms with nothing to hide, nothing to prove. And I remember thinking to myself, that motherfucker, how dare he? How dare he approve of himself? And I remember seeing someone succeeding on her terms, living the way that she wants to live, dressing the way that pleases her, driving what pleases her, living life in a way that pleases her, loving in a way that is right for her. I remember seeing that person and thinking, how dare she? But brother, what I've realized is my own life, this whole thing is one finely pixelated simulation. And anytime I think that I'm seeing reality, what I'm actually seeing is the projection of my own perception. Now, I can't prove that this is true or not true, but I stopped caring about the truth a long time ago. I don't ask what's true. I ask what's useful. And is it useful to believe that someone else is responsible for my life? No. Is it, is it useful to believe that I am actually the creator of my reality and that something or someone gifted me with that free will choice so that I can actually create in my own experience? Yes, I have found that to be the most useful frame yet. And when I find something more useful, I will ditch my current paradigm for the next one because I am happy to con- and content to split split test paradigms so that I can constantly see is this belief better or is this one is this better or is this one and I stopped asking myself what's right and wrong I just care what's right for me right now because I trust my own spiritual GPS I trust my own innate sense of what's right for me and the truth is the truth is that what's right for me right now wasn't right for me a year ago and then I accept that about myself I accept the fact that I'm going to continually want new things. I'm going to continually want things that I don't have, but that doesn't mean that I don't absolutely radically appreciate the things that I already have around me. And I've found that the more I appreciate the things around me, the more things to appreciate I get. And I stopped being grateful because it felt weak. It felt reactive. It felt like something had to happen first, and then I can feel grateful. So I deleted that word from my vocabulary. And I instead began to practice active appreciation. Instead of waiting for something to happen that I could feel grateful for, I began to count the things that had happened, whether it was 10 years ago or 10 seconds ago. 
And I began to count the things that actually happened that I appreciate. And I found that as I give my attention to that thing that I appreciate, my actual influence seems to grow. And all of a sudden, more things like that started to pop into my existence. Now, whether that's because of my brain and my reticular activating system noticing things that were already there, or because I am somehow partnered with the universe in a way that my brain can't comprehend so that my intention and expectation are actually popping from the quantum field and collapsing probabilities into possibilities, into inevitabilities, who fucking cares? I don't claim to know how this works. I just know that it does. And when something works 100% of the time, for 100% of the people who try it, I don't need it to have peer review. I don't need to know the science behind it. Most observation of science is actually looking at the past anyway. It's looking at what already happened, that enough people got together and counted. How about be your own scientist and measure on a daily, real-time basis what's working for you? And if it's not working for you and you still keep doing it, you're free to do so. You're free, man. You're free. You're free to think your own thoughts. And there's not another human being on this planet that could think your own thoughts for you. And there's not another person alive that could speak your words for you. Yes, you can choose to think other people's thoughts and they will be your own once you accept that and you think it. You can choose to speak somebody else's words and cast that spell in your own life. You could choose to pick up on somebody's energy and feel that energy as your own. But nobody's thinking your thoughts for you. Nobody's speaking your words for you. Nobody's feeling your feelings for you. And for sure, no one is taking your actions for you. And I have to tell you, since no one is thinking your thoughts and no one is speaking your words and no one is feeling your feelings and no one is taking your actions, that means that there's not another person on this planet that is creating in your experience. You are it. You are the creator of your own life experience through your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions. And you'll find every bit of evidence in your life to support this fact that there's nothing in your life that shows up that hasn't been preceded by the corresponding thought, the corresponding words, the corresponding feeling, and the corresponding action. So you cannot be surprised when something shows up into your life, whether it's wanted or unwanted. It is always inevitably preceded by those four creative forces that you and you alone control your thoughts, your words, your feelings, your actions. And when you really get this and when you really investigate and examine, don't take my word for it, examine in your own life. And you can observe in the lives of those around you that those who speak the most of love, those who speak the most of wealth, and those who speak the most of freedom actually have plenty of all of those. Those who speak of lack and speak of resistance and speak of frustration and speak of scarcity, they have that too. And you're free. You're free to adjust your thoughts. You're free to choose some new words. You're free to feel some new feelings. And you're free to take some new actions. And you're also equally free not to. And this is perhaps one of the 
most challenging lessons for human beings to understand is that nobody else is calling the shots for you. Nobody else is responsible for your life experience and you're free. You are free. You are free. And you're so free that you can even choose slavery. You are so free that you can even choose mental and emotional bondage. You're so free that you can choose pain. That's how free you are. And upon realizing that you and you alone are choosing that, you are then free to pivot. You're free to shift. You're free to lean in a brand new direction. And as you begin to do that, you start to see evidence very quickly. And you start to see evidence that you actually have an incredible influence on your reality around you. And you start to see evidence, what many people will call coincidence and serendipity and synchronicity and luck. But as it proves itself over and over and over again, as you begin to prove to yourself consistently that the things you're thinking and the things you're speaking and the things you're feeling are actually blinking into your existence as a conversation, as a chance occurrence, as an insight, a download, an idea that's fresh, so fresh that you realize, oh shit, this is new. I haven't had this thought before. You can take full responsibility for bringing that into your existence. You're free, man. You are so free. And the best part is that you're free in a world that doesn't believe it's free. Why is that so cool? Leadership, baby. The world doesn't need more people telling it what to do. The truth is, the world doesn't need anything. But what about legacy? You're a highly sought-after public speaker. You're supposed to talk about legacy. Well, if that's important to you, go for it. You have so many incredible experiences that are coming your way today. All the other speakers and the energy that's in this room right now is just going to continue to amplify and multiply and resonate. And there will be some things that are going to really resonate deeply with you. And other things that may not be relevant now but may come into play later. It's all good. Your subconscious is collecting all of it. So there's a lot of seeds that will be planted today. But there's a lot of fruit that's going to be harvested as well. And if there's one thing that I will share with you before we move into the next chapter of this day. Your your power the power that's already it's already yours, not something to go chase and accumulate, not something to go acquire. It's not out there, but the power that you have. That power is amplified 
by two, two very simple principles. The experience of life that you have and the, the ride through life that you get to have can be distilled into these two, just two principles. One of these principles is the greatest gift. The second one is the greatest freedom, hands down. And the greatest gift, this is the gift that I would suggest you're actually here to give. And your business is a reflection of this. Your relationships are a reflection of this. Your physical health and your energy and your vitality is a reflection of this. But the greatest gift that you're on this planet, the greatest gift that you're on this physical plane to share is the gift of your own joy. Is the gift of your own well-being. And part of the reason why this is such a a powerful gift is because it's so rare. And we'll pay lots of money to see someone in their own flow. We'll pay millions of dollars to a person who can put a rubber ball in a metal hoop because that's a person who's in flow and that's what we want to see because it reminds us of what we actually have inside of us. And we'll pay to see somebody sing or dance. We'll pay to see somebody Entertained because that's a person who's in their zone and they're actually sharing that greatest gift that's in them. They're sharing the gift of their own well-being and their own happiness. So I will caution you not to underestimate the power that your well-being and your happiness actually has in the world. Because when you share the gift of your own well-being and the gift of your own happiness, and maybe those words aren't exactly the right words for you, Maybe it does bring you the greatest joy to be savagely focused on accomplishing something that's fucking awesome. And maybe that's your version of joy and well-being. Well, then do that. That's the greatest gift you can ever offer is the gift of your own self-satisfaction, the gift of your own happiness, the gift of your own joy, and the gift of your own well-being. Not for effect to try and get somebody to feel different. That's just emotional terrorism. So stop that shit. And just be happy wherever you're going. Just be yourself. Because that's plenty. And as you express that and you walk through life and you just say, man, I'm good. I don't need anything from you. I don't need something different to happen. I'm good. People are going to go, what's wrong with that person? They seem to be apparently need-free. I've heard of such things. The greatest gift you can give is the gift of your own Happiness, the gift of your own joy. But there's a flip side to it, too. There's a way to amplify that, and there's a way to multiply that gift. There's a way to take that gift and make it even brighter and even bigger. And this is the greatest freedom. Admittedly, this one is a little more challenging to practice because we have so few role models for this. There's so few people that are actually granting this freedom as they move through their life. So if the greatest gift is the gift of your own happiness and the gift of your own well-being, 
then the greatest freedom, the greatest freedom is allowing other people, just allowing other people to have their own experience. Now, on the surface, that that might not sound so powerful, but think about it. When you allow other people to have their experience and you do not take responsibility as the creator of someone else's experience, and as you do not adjust your own behavior and your own desires to try and make somebody else feel a certain way, if somebody is happy, if somebody's sad, if somebody's angry, if somebody's rageful, if somebody's thrilled, if somebody's full of joy, that's 100% them. And they may use you as the screen for that. They may say, you make me happy, you make me angry, you make me feel loved, you piss me off. But when you allow other people to have their own experience and you refuse to take responsibility for generating those neurochemical storms called emotion, then you actually set that person free. And when you grant that freedom to other people to have their own experience while operating from your own sense of center, the greatest gift is the gift of your own happiness and your own joy combining these two, the greatest gift with the greatest freedom and allowing other people to have their own experience, I've never seen something that will change people's lives so quickly. Partly because they'll have you as an example and they'll say, man, this guy seems to be happy no matter what. What's wrong with him? And you'll have people say, I know what it is, you're on drugs. And you'll say, yep. Dopamine and serotonin, baby. My favorite drugs. I've found that dopamine and serotonin are actually the only things that truly make me happy. Nothing to hide, nothing to prove. The greatest gift is the gift of your own joy and your own well-being, and there ain't nobody responsible for that except for you. And as you live in that zone and you live in that frequency, that frequency expands because the whole universe is expanding, and last I checked, you are a part of that universe. So since the whole universe is expanding and since you're a part of that universe, that means you're expanding as well. You're always going to have new desires. You're always going to have new things that you want. And as you follow that frequency and as you expand that frequency, watch as your bank account changes. Watch as ideas that used to seem so big are not big anymore. It's just your new normal. You want to scale your business? Stop saying big business. When your brain hears the word big, big numbers, big business, big impact, your brain being the dumb engine that it is, your brain will go big equals difficult. Difficult equals long time. Long time equals no need to change today. And then you'll spend the next 30 years of your life Chasing a big business (laughs) that never shows up. But instead, it's not big. Time and space are completely relative. They're totally subjective. Time doesn't even exist. It's a useful illusion. More on that later, maybe. The greatest 
gift is the gift of your own joy. And the greatest freedom is just allow other people to have their own experience. And you do you because you're not here to please anybody. You're not here to live for anybody. And the irony is that as you live your life on your terms and other people see you doing that, you're planting seeds that are unignorable. You want to change the world? Don't you have to say it? You don't have to say anything. Just be. And you don't need to look over your shoulder to see the impact that you're having. That impact will be self-evident. And those that are ready will jump. And those that won't, that's fine too. They're free to have their own experience. And I'm so appreciative to the experience that we've shared this morning. And I'm so eager for the experience that you're going to have as the day continues to unfold. Because you are here for a reason. You're here because you're on the leading edge of your own creation. You're here because you're on the leading edge of your own desires. And there's nothing that you can envision that you cannot materialize. It's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible for you to imagine something, to envision it, It's impossible to want something and not have it as part of your physical life experience. You're so much more powerful than you may have realized. And, and you're here you're here to create and you're here to experience freedom and you're here to experience connection and you're here to demonstrate not for other people with other people you're here to demonstrate what you're beautiful imagination can conjure up and if you can imagine having it and if you can feel the desire for it then you can have it and there's no race there's no finish line there's no hurry just take it a day at a time and when you do this watch as things begin to happen faster and faster and faster and you will then be forced gently to expand your capacity for joy. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I can't wait to see what happens for you.